Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, the roster is taking shape, and who better to give us the insight into those decisions than the man making them? Stan Bowman sits down with us a little later on, plus Chris Cook, Adam Burrish, and I all discuss the surprises, the cuts, and look ahead to the season-opening trip to Berlin and Prague. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazers got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. This is Blackhawks Insider, Carter Baum, joined by Adam Burrish and Chris Cook. And gentlemen, it's been a busy week around the Blackhawks organization since we last uh, recorded a podcast. Lots of cuts have been made. Uh, the roster has been whittled down essentially to the 28 players who in all likelihood will be making the full trip to Berlin later this week. And uh, some surprises, some not surprises, uh, a lot of guys on the roster who maybe raised some eyebrows, uh, Dennis Gilbert, uh, Anton Vadin, maybe two of those. Stan Bowman will talk about them a little later on when we sit down with him. But uh, what sticks out to you in terms of this group and how the cuts have played out so far in the last week or so? You kind of nail it for me. The Dennis Gilbert guy, uh, he, he really showed very well in Traverse City. Uh, he was the captain there. He showed some grit. He showed some ability to uh, keep the puck out of the net. And I think he's got a real chance to make this roster. Uh, Stan Bowman's very high on him. And just the, the type of player, I think we talked about last week, the type of player that Blackhawks don't have a lot of. Guy, a lot of. You know, he goes in the corners and he wins puck battles. And he, you know, he's got, the, he got some physicality there. Again, not necessarily dropping the gloves, but you know, finishing checks and making opponents know that you're out there playing. So that is kind of a surprise to me. I like the way he's, he's shown through training camp. And uh, I think he could be a valuable addition throughout the season. Well, getting rid of Boquist, sending Adam Boquist down, that certainly makes a space. For me, it was... Probably you can only keep one of those guys, and, and with him going down, there's certainly a spot now. Um, the biggest thing for me is on a team, and we heard Patrick Kane talk a little bit last week about Andrew Shaw, how it's it gives him confidence. When you've got a guy that goes out there and pushes some people around and gets in some people's face and pushes back when somebody pushes one of their guys like an Andrew Shaw does, it makes you feel more comfortable if you're these stars. And the Blackhawks, the last couple of years, they, they haven't had that bite. They haven't had any guys that are going to go out there and get in somebody's face and push somebody back when the time is right. And you bring Shaw, and he does that now. Maybe that gives Connor Murphy a little confidence to go out there and mix it up a little bit and push back and give an extra whack to a guy that sticks Corey Crawford in front of the net. Now you throw a guy like Gilbert in that's shown he's willing to mix it up, and I think he's starting to realize if he wants to play on this team, and I'm sure Jeremy's telling him that too, hey, here's how you're going to make this team. This is how you have to play. And that gives him an opportunity, and I think that makes this Blackhawks team a lot better with a few guys like Gilbert, like Shaw. Um, that makes this team tougher to play against. You mentioned a Burr, Adam Boquist, and Alexi Sorella assigned to Rockford after Wednesday night's... Uh let's face it, forgettable game against Washington, a 6 nothing loss. But you mentioned Andrew Shaw and what he can bring to the team. One of the moments that really stuck out to me was in the second period. He goes hard into the corner. He gets a charging penalty, which I don't I don't necessarily agree with, but causes a stir, gets a, a misconduct, an instigator uh, I love against, it. Uh, against the Capitals players. Really added that grit, which in all likelihood in a, in a regular season game would fire up the bench and get them going. A uh, preseason game may be a little difficult to get up for. Maybe some eyes starting to wander to the long trip uh, on the bench and just kind of getting through that night. But uh, a real kind of spark of energy, uh, just like you mentioned, that you need in that team. Well, they needed that last year and the year before. And, I, I, you know, you talk about, well, they're looking ahead. Forget that. This is You're getting embarrassed at home. You're professional athletes. And, yeah, the preseason, you're not – Face it, you're not going 150%. You're not ready to get hurt yet out there, but you're you're an athlete and you're competing and there's 22,000 people there. You don't like getting embarrassed. And this is why I like that they bring an Andrew Shaw back and get guys like him around here because you're losing 3-4-5-0. The game's over. We know that. You're, you're not coming back. In the back of your mind, you know that this game is probably over. 
but I'm going to take a piece out of somebody. I'm going to take some skin with me. I'm going to go after somebody, and I'm going to drag all my teammates into a fight because guess what? We got in the regular season. We got to play again tomorrow, and we got to we got to stay sharp. And instead of laying down, I love that he goes out there and goes after somebody because this team now, and all of a sudden now they all perk up. Maybe you do come back, or maybe you get sparked for tomorrow. Maybe you don't go on a three four game skid now because Shaw went out there and smashed a guy in the face and now all of a sudden the intensity gets picked back up now I got to stay sharp again I like that that there's no laying down out of him and and that attitude is what this team had been missing a little bit for me and now that he's there he's going to drag these guys into a fight every single night and he's going to make this team better real quick for I want to get your thoughts because one of the interesting questions after the game for Jeremy Colleton was in a preseason game like that how do you balance you know, understanding it's a preseason game versus trying to light a fire under your team. You know, in the locker room, it's a four or five nothing game in the second intermission. How do you walk that line? Jeremy said, you know, obviously you don't want to lay into them. It's preseason. You don't want to start off on that foot. But there are moments, and he singled out probably the penalty kill as, you know, that's probably our group. That's probably our penalty kill to start the year. So you have to use that as a teaching opportunity. As a former player, how do you – how do you want your coach to maybe walk that line in preseason? Do you do you put it on the players themselves? Do you let the coach kind of lay out during during preseason because maybe it's not the time to really start that off on the wrong, the wrong foot? Yeah, I, I, at least from my experience, normally right or wrong, the coach knows he still has to make a statement here. He's got to wake some guys up, and generally it's the guys, there are three or four guys that are in the lineup that are bubble guys are the ones that kind of take the whipping, and it's, hey, we got guys trying to make this team right now. You guys really want to make this team, and you're going out here, and it's usually your bottom six guys and your penalty kill guys, and you guys are trying to make this team, or you guys are trying to play more minutes, or you guys are coming and telling me you want to play 14, 16 minutes instead of 10. Well, you're not showing it right now. And then your star players and your your veteran guys, they kind of hear it too, and they're like, man, I better get going here too. This is embarrassing. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the older guys said something in that locker room too. And Jeremy hears that, so he may not need to go in there and, and, and rip them one because maybe Tave stands up and says, this is freaking embarrassing, guys. Like, come on. You know, the, yeah, it's preseason, and we're not all going to go out there and dive headfirst in front of pucks, but let's go. You know, we need to sharpen up here, and this is what's going to set us up uh, for some success here. And let's help some of these young guys, or whatever he may have said. So I, I think I'm, I'm certain Jeremy handled it in, in that way and kind of listened to what the guys were saying, and I'm sure they were jumping on each other, and then came in there and said, hey, some of you guys want more this year. Some of you guys, listen, this is the, the slate's open right now. What do you want? You want to play more? Do you want to make this team? Uh, everything's up for grabs because two years in a row not making the playoffs, there's, there's jobs and there's ice time available. All right, well, enough on the Washington game. We'll move on from that one because Thursday night, probably as you're listening to this podcast, the Blackhawks are in the air on their way to Berlin, getting set for 10 days in Europe. Uh, we mentioned it off the top, 28 players going. There's still five cuts to be made in the next week or so before the opener on October 4th against the Flyers. Guys like Gilbert and Vadine, who we mentioned, Dominic Kubelik, Kirby Dock's making the trip, even though he hasn't really been able to do a whole lot during preseason. Uh, going through concussion protocol, he has gotten kind of back out onto the ice, not in a full practice, but at the end of morning skate on Wednesday, he was out there kind of taking a few laps, taking a few shots with the guys. I'm sure a, a boost of confidence. Bert, how, what's going through his mind right now? Because it's his first pro training camp. He's Stan Bowman and Jeremy have said, Hey, you know, we're, we're being patient. You're not being judged on this, but there's got to be something in his mind where he wants to get back out there. How nice is it for him to at least be on the ice with his teammates after 10, 11 days of doing stuff on his own and kind of being secluded in his real first experience at this? Yeah, I was thinking about it the other day, and Chris, you can probably uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was thinking back to Jonathan Taves' first training camp. Did he get hurt? Did he break? Did, do you remember? I think he missed I, the start of the season, he missed the right? Yeah. broke his hand or yeah, something, finger, blocked a shot. I think yeah. he blocked a finger. So I'm thinking, how does this mess up the the psyche of your first pick? And he's supposed to come in here and make like, is this gonna? I always think that way. Like, how is this gonna impact him a, a year down the road mm -hmm. or at Christmas time, not having this training camp? How would it affect me? And I don't know. I wasn't a I wasn't a first round draft pick. I didn't have that pressure on me coming in. But I I thought I remembered Taves coming in and just playing his ass off in training camp. He was blocking shots. He was killing penalties. And I think he broke his finger blocking a shot. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I'll never forget it is after the game, some of the older guys pulled him aside and said, hey, Taves, we need you for like the regular season. You're a star player. Don't block shots out there, okay? Just let those, let the bad players do you that. You made let, the team. It's you, okay. You're, you're going to make this team, man. Let, you know, let Burrish and Frazier and, uh, and, and Kopecky and those guys block those shots. You just stay out of the way, man. Um, but he missed the start of the season and he was okay. So... Um, you know, maybe Jonathan's talking to him a little bit and saying, hey, just wait till you're ready and you'll be fine. And you, you, listen, these 18, 19 years old, sure, you, you're, you need that little bit of game experience and to feel that soreness. But uh, these kids now are in such good shape. They skate all summer. So fitness level, I wouldn't be overly concerned with that. But just the speed of the NHL game is going to be different for them. But they'll get him up to speed. I, th- I think as long as they can keep his confidence and his teammates are patting him on the back, uh, I, I think he'll be fine. I do think that's maybe the one downside is you don't get that toe in the water into the NHL level of some of these preseason mm-hmm. games. You're going straight from development camp or, or the prospects tournament where he shined in one game, had a, had a difficult game that we've, we've discussed, you know, played against very physically uh, by a Maple Leaf side. You don't get that kind of buffer because at this point, if he sticks around to make the season opening roster before a decision is made, whether he stays in the NHL or goes back to the WHL, He's either he's in a full full tilt NHL game, uh, testing his skill there. And you know, that's that's gonna be tough. Taves, Taves did, did it. it and scored probably the prettiest goal of his career in his first game after being injured. So, all right, Doc, go do that. No plus, plus, you got some you got the, a little cushion there. So, if you don't want to burn a year of, of his contract, yeah. he can play nine games, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe you do that. Maybe you don't play him the first nine, but you kind of ease him in the lineup, see what he does. Maybe play some matchups and say, okay. Maybe Kirby's got a better matchup against this center as opposed to going up against somebody who's very, you know, defensive-minded. The Blackhawks can afford at that at that point to to kind of ease him in the lineup. Other places you can't just uh, ease in. So I, I think that he probably sticks with the team at least to start. And as Stan Bowman said, listen, we've got this roster. It's going to look a lot different, you know, come November, come December. So why not give Kirby Doc a chance to recover from this concussion, a chance to play in a couple of games here, see what he can bring, and if he doesn't show that he, he doesn't show that he can play right away in the NHL, send him back and and take your time with him. So that's a luxury that they can afford to do. The, the thing I'm looking forward to most, as far as um, position battles, is uh, Anton Vadin. Really, um, you know, he's he's got a chance to make this roster, and not only at wing, but he played center the other night, and Stan Bowman said that he looked good. So if you're David Camp, you're thinking, okay, here's a guy who's they really high on, and he could he could play center as well. So there's some battles there that if you're a Blackhawks fan, just watch this exhibition game against Berlin, saying, okay, it's great to watch our you know Patrick Kane, and Jonathan Taves out there, but watch some of those lower lines there and see what's happening there. See who's getting mostly most of the ice time. See who's winning battles. See who's winning faceoffs. That's what Stan Bowman is going to be looking for. That's what Jeremy Carlton's going to be looking at, and that's what fans should look at. Chris, what do you think of Boquist? I, I offensively terrific, right? I mean, he can play in the NHL right now, but no, I, I think he's got a ways to go defensively. And you talk to anybody who played in the NHL, and obviously you're one of those guys. It defensively, it takes a little, it takes longer than say a forward to jump in and just play right away. Um, you've got responsibilities there, so I think he was overmatched at times defensively, but you cannot argue offensively what he can do. So I think this is the right move. Give him a few months down in Rockford, maybe the whole season if it takes it. But he's going to come up. He's going to be a, a you know a top six defensemen certainly could be a one or two take your time with a guy like that because Duncan Keith didn't jump right in the league right away when he was drafted it took him some time Brent Seabrook same way get him some seasoning down at Rockford very important for a defenseman but there's no question that when he comes up he's gonna be an NHL player yeah I agree I think for me it was that backing out of some hits sometime and Mm -hmm. and not poking that puck out of the zone and taking that hitter in the corner kind of backing off and you know, not it's a bit of a junior move, right? When you're the star of your team, you don't have to take those hits. You can let the guy take the puck and then probably take it back from him. Where in the NHL, you, you have to take that hit and still make that play and poke it out. And it's tough for a young guy that's small. I I'd, I would love him to be on this team, though. I mean, that's that's probably the knock on him. But um, I think he'll be here at some point because his, his offensive ability and his puck making him, he just looks like an NHL player he when he's got the puck, the way he skates, his head's up, the way he passes it. Uh, it's that little bit of grit where sometimes you go down to the American League and you get pounded around a little bit and guys are taking runs at you and you're like, all right, screw this. Now I'm going to you get a little edge to yourself riding that bus and eating chicken parm cold sandwiches after games and cold pizza and chicken wings and it's not so pretty. But I'd like to see this guy up here and uh, I think his teammates like him. We talked about it last week and good looking cat too. So it, it sounds there. like a sports writer's diet though, the chicken <laughs> yeah. wings and the pizza. Yeah, no and kidding. That. I'm there now. 
I see the food you guys eat in the press box. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm one of you guys now too, so I'm all in on this. We eat well. Maybe it's a different story if Calvin DeHaan and Ole Mata weren't acquired this offseason. There maybe is a, a couple more spots where he can maybe insert his name and maybe at least start the year at the NHL level, get a, get a taste for that. But if you look at this defensive core, there's a lot of veterans on this team that, you know, for a draft pick, a first round draft pick from a year ago to come in and supplant one of them is is a very tall task so it's it's yeah. almost a perfect storm for especially him. when you're Stan Bowman and your your focus all off season has been to keeping pucks out of the net it's great when you got a great offensive defenseman who can move the puck score some goals that's but not what you need that's not right now yeah, they've got guys who can do that you need a guy who can keep the puck out of the net and right now Boquist is not there well over, over the next week some of these guys will have to make this uh this impression but I'm sure today is a very exciting day for Anton Vadin, Dennis Gilbert. You know, you've been fighting for the last week and a half to just stick around, to to make a name for yourself and to maybe not get the call that you're going, but to not get a call that you're going to Rockford. What's going through their mind right now? Is there, there's obviously some excitement to be going on this trip and and getting to experience this, but there's still a road to climb for them. Yeah, I I was there. That's what I, I went through that. And um, you're never, you're always like kind of pumped up. You're always like, all right, I, they didn't pull me aside today. And you're always looking over your shoulder in the locker room. Like where's Stan Bowman? Where's Jeremy? Like, don't come over to my area. Don't walk towards me. And then you're on a plane going to a game. And usually after the game, sometimes is when the coach would walk down the aisle or the assistant coach or Tony Omen, um, sometimes who would have to walk down and say, Hey, uh, Adam, Jeremy wants to talk to you up in the front of the plane. And you knew what that call was. You knew that walk up. And so really you're uneasy all the time you're always looking around hopefully nobody calls your name you just want to go about your business go on the ice have the coach tell you how great you're doing and then once practice is done don't talk to me nobody come around me and you're you're always uneasy but every day you get through that day you leave the rink and no none of the management grabs you you're like oh my god i did i'm, I'm still alive i'm still going still here i'm still here and and dennis right now oh my god i'm going on the europe trip i got a seat on the plane you know, for me, it was like, they haven't figured this out. Did I suck yet? <laughs> Did you ever mess with a guy? Say, hey, I heard Stan's looking for you. Did yeah, you well, we that? would do that all the time. Yeah. Or somebody, the guy would be coming down. Um, you know, it was usually Tony Oman um, who takes care of everything for the guys. He would usually walk down and somebody would be like, hey, uh, Versteeg, I think he's coming for you. I heard him saying he was your name. And, and then somebody would lean back and we'd always be like, Kaner, this one might be for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was never for Kaner. It was yeah. never for Kaner, though. Uh, in 2009, 10 years ago, when the Blackhawks went on their first Europe trip, you were on the opposite side. Yeah. You got hurt. You were unable to go. You were back in Chicago rehabbing. Uh, Patrick Sharp went on the trip and was was heartbroken. We've got some great throwbacks that will yeah. be sprinkled out, some some videos, some ISO cams from him uh, and his trip uh, on the Blackhawks Twitter account and, and Instagram account uh, as the team is making the journey. But what was that like? Uh not only seeing the heartbreak that he was going through that you weren't there, yeah, I know but uh, having to sit back and, and watch your teammates go on this great bonding experience that today is still you know, looked at as a pinnacle moment in that team going on and, and later winning the cup. Yeah, probably two things. Um, one, I was like, I was really into what I was doing then. I was like, oh my God, my, I got to get my knee better. I got to get better fast. Um, but I, I, I missed it. I was jealous. And um, even the guys that have gotten sent down today that were so close to go on this really cool trip and you get cool swag and the Blackhawks have a bunch of cool bags they give you and clothes and you get like all this neat stuff you can give to your dad too and your mom and cool stuff you get. That was the other thing as athletes, everybody's thinking, oh, you guys, you know, you, you make all this money, you got everything. Everybody loves free stuff. Everybody loves cool things. And, um, yeah, I missed that. I didn't get any of that stuff. I still see some guys have some of the bags from that trip. I'm like, damn it. I didn't get one of those. Um, so it was hard. And then I remember, I'll never forget the one day I sat on my couch and I pulled my computer out. I FaceTimed with Sharp and we recorded it. And he was telling me how great the trip was. And I was like, that's cool. And I was just like, damn, I, well, you know, I, I missed it. I, I missed a really cool trip. And they came back and they were talking about it all year, about different dinners they had and a night out they had there and the games and what the rinks were like. And I'd never played hockey in Europe and a lot of guys have, but it's different. It, the, the atmosphere is different. The crowd is more, if you watch a soccer game, it's chance. It's, 
it's a different atmosphere, and I, I, I wanted that experience. But um, I knew the, the articles get written, and it, to me it is cheesy, like, oh, is this going to build chemistry with you guys? You know, yeah, of course it is. But it's true. It really does. And those guys came back, and I remember they came back, and it was they all had inside jokes now. They were all kind of comfortable. It was they went on a cool experience together, and it helps. It works. And um, so the stories, while the headlines are a little cheesy, they're going to add chemistry. It, it's true. It, it really does help. Not to uh, burst your bubble, Chris, but you are working on a piece. I'm working on, on that story. It's all about no. And, uh, <laughs> no, it's true. I did. Well, uh, you know, Bert, you're right. I, I talked to Jonathan Taves about it, and he said, not to give the story, but he said, you know, those first couple of days were all jet lagged. He said it was like being hungover, yep. which I'm not sure Jonathan would know about. But he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, what you know, do you know? Yeah, right, exactly. But you know, everybody was kind of in that same mindset, and you bonded together. And then you mentioned they mentioned they went out to dinner and they played games and they played pranks, which I'm, and I heard mm-hmm. Sharp was part of that. And that, there's no question that that team that went on to win the first Stanley Cup in 49 years was as close a team as I've ever seen covering a team. And I've heard guys like you talk about it and Jonathan talk about it. That was something special. And I don't think there's any question that it started with that trip to Europe. Uh, there's been a couple teams that have gone to Europe and won, went yeah. on to win the Cup, right? It's not, it's not just the Hawks that have done it. There, maybe, there, maybe there's something to it a little bit. Well, it all starts... Uh, really, in just a few hours from when we're recording this very podcast, like I said, as you're listening to this, the Blackhawks will be in all likelihood in the air or in Europe already. Um, there is a Blackhawks versus Boston Bruins preseason game on Saturday at 7.30 Central. Uh, that is going to be a largely Rockford Icehogs team. The rest of the team will already be in Berlin preparing for their game on Sunday against Ice Baron Berlin, which in English is the Berlin Polar Bears. Yeah. Uh, a very daunting mascot there sunday at twelve thirty central uh, a game that will be played on the big ice from what i understand uh burish just like you were mentioning a, yep. a completely different atmosphere uh, i hated it hated it what what's what, what's so bad about the big ice i uh, just it's it's hard you gotta you skate a whole bunch more you're way more tired playing in a, in a big ice sheet like that so those guys are going to go over there and from all accounts, it's been a hard training camp. The guys say it. Jeremy's talked about it. Stan's talked about it. So you're already a little banged up and tired, and now you got an extra 20 feet of ice it, it, to, to cover. And these European guys, they know how to use it, and they're always circling around, and you just feel like you're chasing these little rugrats all, all night long. It was, uh, it's a lot more work. I mean, it's like imagine playing football on a field that's 20 yards further. It's a, it's a, you got a lot more work to get to the end. How much do your sight lines get thrown off with the boards and other Ten fifteen goalies. feet away. It's goalies, not yeah. us. Players at the, the sight lines. It's just you got to take an extra five or seven steps to get to a guy. Uh, not as much hitting because you can't run and hit a guy there because then you got to skate too far back to get back into play. But I think goalies are the ones that I w- always heard uh, shots are coming from a little different angle, so that they have a tougher time than players. Well, Sunday, twelve thirty Central, Blackhawks and Ice Baron Berlin. Before uh, the team heads to Prague, they'll have a couple practices in Prague, an off day in Prague, where the guys will, in all likelihood, get some time together away from the rink, uh, maybe get to explore the city before squaring off against the Philadelphia Flyers, 1 p.m. Central on Friday, October 4th. Uh, It all gets started, uh, the 2019-20 season underway, and uh, 81 games after that, and we go from there. You know who plays on this Berlin team? I'm looking at Maxim Lapierre. Remember that rat from Vancouver? Absolutely. God, I hope Shaw takes him. You <laughs> also plays is Pierre Cedric Labrie tried out there. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I talked to Pierre Cedric, and I've got a piece on him coming up. And um, I also talked to a couple of his former teammates down in Rockford when he played there, and they said, yeah, we've got to keep our head up when Pierre Cedric's on the ice. But <laughs> yeah. great guy, uh, big guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they got some that's NHL talent there. And I, I talked to Pierre Cedric, and he said, um, it's a, the play. The style of play is basically AHL level. Yep. Which he thought it was, which he thought is better than what he when he anticipated when he went there. So you're talking about playing uh, a couple of NHL former NHLers yep. and some guys as you mentioned who have been there, skated on that nice and knew what they're doing. So the atmosphere is going to be crazy. So he's already seeing people walking down the street wearing Blackhawks hats and, and sweaters. And cool. he's right. They chant and they cheer and they they bring the players back on the ice after games. So it should be very exciting. Well, enough about us. It all starts. Uh, just in a couple days in Berlin and then in Prague. Uh, We've talked a lot about the roster and and about this trip and about the season, Um, but you can hear it from the man himself, Stan Bowman, right now. Uh, We'll toss it to a a great conversation with the Blackhawks Senior Vice President and General Manager. Stan, first off, thank you for joining us. It's uh, a very busy week around the office, I'm sure, making the last few cuts to the training camp roster over the last week, getting ready for this big Europe trip, Uh, but most importantly, 
I'm sure you're very excited to get uh, hockey games and some meaningful games going here within the next week or so. That's right. Well, as you get in the second part of the training camp, usually the rosters for both teams are closer to the what you'll see in the NHL season. So expecting a good game tonight. Obviously, we have nearly our full lineup in, and I think Washington as well. So from that perspective, it should be a good test. And you're right, we're getting... Uh, down to the last week here before we're going to start the season. So everything's more important, and you can sense the guys are getting excited for the trip to Europe as well. Now, I do appreciate you put your phone on airplane mode before coming on. And while I appreciate that from the audio quality and uh, attention perspective, I don't like the pressure, I don't know about you, Chris, of you not being reachable if something <laughs> goes down. I don't, like, I don't like being responsible for that. It tells me as of right now, nothing's happening. But if I know Stan, it's going right back on uh, <laughs> cellular soon. And uh, we, we, that was brought up, I think, uh, when uh, you took some questions from the media. Is there anything going on? Uh, and not just for yourself, but do you hear a lot of buzz around the league? I mean, I know obviously teams have to go through their rosters. and But your pace has accelerated a little bit because of this trip to Europe. Um, how is that different? And, and what is the buzz around the league right now? It's a little bit different, Chris, but I think at this point, the the reason that I said that earlier was that most teams right now are focused on their own players, and there may be a few teams that are running into some injury troubles or some players haven't performed as they expected, but most of the guys I've spoken to over the past few days, they like their team right now, and they've got some young players that have played better than they thought, and they're trying to decide, do we want to keep them and force out a player, or do we want to take it slow and allow those young players to start in the minors. So uh, there probably will be some moves over the next week or so. I don't know that that's the primary focus. Most guys are focused on their team, and I think that's the way we've looked at it as well. We've had some players show well in training camp, and that's why they're still here and fighting for the the spot on the team to open the season. What do you like about this roster right now? Jeremy has said it several times, his depth is – you know, it's it's causing some some headaches. You know, some tough decisions have to be made on some of these players. Is that you know, is that more difficult than maybe in years past? Of you have a lot of these guys who are performing really well in training camp right now, and you know, all of them could play a role. Well, it, it shows that our team has improved. I think you're, when you have hard decisions, it means you've got a number of players that have showed well. And one of the things we wanted to do in preparing for this season was to try to upgrade the talent level and bring some guys in that had some experience in the league. It's a hard league to break into as a young player, and you're you're trying to get your feet under you. You're trying to earn a spot on the team, but you're trying to become an NHL regular. And when you have too many guys like that, you know that it's not always going to come together for each one of them. So I think what we've brought some players in this year that have NHL experience. They've been in the league for several years. So and I think they bring that reliability, stability within a game. You know, things happen, and you're, you're not always on top of your game. You're not always sharp. And if we have some guys that can settle things down, and sometimes it just takes one shift. If you're having a tough time and having a hard time getting out of your end, and you put a line out there and they can get the puck and, you know, hem the other team in for 40 seconds, get a face off, all of a sudden it kind of resets your team and it can refocus you. And I think we've got some players that, that have that in their profile. So that's helped. And it's caused some tough decisions. And I think at the end of the day, that means our team's headed in the right direction when we have a lot of players and we're trying to decide which one's the best fit. One of those players who's maybe on the bubble, you you talked about it uh, to the media today as well, was Adam Boquist. He's an interesting prospect. He's obviously got a lot of highlights uh, that we've seen in the couple preseason games he's actually played in and even during camp he's wowed uh, during practice but you you spoke about you know he's maybe ready to be part of the NHL roster but you also want to get him games how do you approach that how do you maybe walk that line of here's someone who maybe we don't want to force along early maybe it is better for him even though he could maybe play right now to go down and, and get some frequency under his belt at the professional level. Yeah, this is his first opportunity to be a pro, so we want to make sure that he gets enough uh, time on the ice and repetition, and I think he's coming along well. Like, he's young, you know, he's, he was drafted, and he just turned 19, so he's uh, he's got a great career ahead of him, and he's showed well. I, I think his game, obviously, is his skill with the puck, being able to create offense, make plays, uh, get the puck transporting up the ice. So you know, the areas that it's going to be a process for him is learning how to 
defend. And I think the the nice part about Adam's game that's improved looking back to last year is he's using his skating to his advantage. He's a, He's got great legs. He can force the play, get back, retrieve the puck, and then turn it up ice and make a play. So um, we want to try to do that as much as possible to not play a lot in your own end. Uh, so to answer your question, I think uh, there's not a wrong thing to do for him. I think, you know, usually playing it slow with, with players like that and allowing them to get their feet wet in Rockford is the way it goes. Uh, so we'll see where it shakes out, but that, that's probably the way we're looking. Um, but we also know he's not far away. And when he does get his chance in Chicago, I think sometimes those players, it's almost easier for them at the NHL level because they're playing with such high-end players. Is there anyone who throughout the opening 10 or 10 days or so of uh, camp has really stuck out to you, really maybe surprised you uh, as being ready for this team more um, than you thought coming in? Uh, Probably two names come to mind. I think Dennis Gilbert has really played well. I think we saw this briefly last year. He got the one game near the end of the year, and that was a reward for how well he'd been playing in Rockford. Uh, and he went to our team in Traverse City. He served as the captain. I thought he played very well there. He was our most consistent player, and he's brought that into training camp here, and he's still with the team. And you know, I'm not sure if everyone would have predicted that at this point, um, you know, six months ago, but he's done very well. well. Obviously, we like his style of play. He's a little bit unique. Um, he's a big physical kid. Uh, he's not shy to make contact. Uh, we saw the one game he got in an altercation, and... Uh, that's a that's an element to his game, but he's really simplified his game over the past year. I think that's the one thing. He's come a long way. So I think he's one of the players that maybe fits that bill. The other one up front would probably be Anton Vadin. Um, you know, we had hopes that he would do well. I think when you're, when you're signed as a player coming out of Europe with a little bit more experience, sometimes those guys do have the ability to jump into a training camp and look well. And he's done that. He looks very comfortable. Uh, you can tell he's been a pro for a few years. He's a little bit older than some of the guys that are trying to make the team. Uh, he just looks like he's got a, a real stability to his game. Uh, he's got some versatility as well. We've seen him play wing. Um, and he did play center the one game, and I thought he did pretty well there. Uh, he hadn't played a lot of center the last couple of years, but he, he had previous to that. So... I think you know you can move him around. You can play right wing on the third line, left wing on the fourth line, center, and um, you know he's the kind of player that isn't flashy, but uh, he can do a little bit of everything. So those two guys are probably off the radar for some fans, but uh, I think I've been impressed with how they've played so far. And I think Jeremy said that he's liked him for a while, not just this time when you're able to sign him. Yeah, we spoke about that. Uh, so the way this works is we, you know, in the recruiting process, there's a lot of teams that are that are trying to sign him, and we got Jeremy involved. And when I mentioned his name, he said, you know, we were trying to sign him years ago in Mora, and uh, at the time he hadn't really established himself as the high level player in Sweden, and uh, didn't work out to get him to Mora. But he said it was nice that this time we finally convinced him to sign with us, and you know, he, so he is familiar with his game going back to Sweden and. Uh, it's nice to see it, it come here in Chicago as well. Give you a little bit of the, the upper edge in those negotiations <laughs> saying, hey, you know, we, we our head coach liked you way back when. Way back when, before anyone else did. Right. <laughs> Stan, how do you kind of balance wanting to infuse some new blood into the lineup with needing to win and wanting to win now, right? When you get back from Europe, you've got that long homestand and you play in a very difficult division, so you don't really want guys learning on the fly there. So how do you kind of balance getting some new blood in there but wanting to win hockey games? It is a balance, Chris. I think the the most important thing is w- when we get new blood in there, it's not just to get new blood. It's because we think they're going to help us win. So when we when Jeremy puts the lineup together for each game and w- as we're trying to decide who's going to start the year with us, we're looking at who gives us the best chance to win. So, you know, it's it's nice that some of those guys are the young players, and I think that's ultimately what would make this great is if you have – the players that have a bright future and they're good enough right now to help you. And I've mentioned this before, the teams that have a lot of success and St. Louis fits in this category last year, they have some players who over the course of the season, they really expand their game and they become better in the spring than they were now. 
And I think we've got a number of candidates like that. So I mean, you have certain players that have been in the NHL for a while, and they're they're going to be the same player all year long. It's going to be a, a great player, but they're not going to necessarily be a better player as we get into the spring. Then you've got another group of young guys who they're starting the year in Chicago. They may not have everything worked out yet, but if you stick with them and you continue to grow their game and they expand their skill set, all of a sudden you're looking at them in February and March, they're much better players. And you know, St. Louis had that. They had Thomas and Barbashev and Sunquist. Those players, by the time you were seeing them in the Stanley Cup final, they were big parts of their team. But you go back to last October, they, they weren't even playing every night and they weren't prominent players, but you had some growth. So I think we're looking for that. We're looking for some players who hopefully they play a big role now but if they can learn the right habits and expand their game then our team's going to be even better as we get into the second half of the year would you say uh, an Alex Nylander maybe fits that that mold as someone who you mentioned is still working away from the puck on what you know he needs to do there he obviously has the skill but as someone who's still cutting his teeth at the NHL level someone you hope that can develop to that caliber he's yeah he's for sure in that group I think Alex has played very well. If you watch the games that he's been a part of, even going back to the first day of training camp, the first thing you notice is just his skill set and his uh, strength, his skating. He's a big kid. He's almost 200 pounds. Uh, and you know, sometimes the guys with the high skill set, great hands, quick passes, they're smaller guys. But he's strong. He's got really good um, balance on his skates, and he's got quick edges. You watch him do those stops and starts, and he can – shake defenders pretty easily. Uh, so that's one aspect of the game, and I think he's got um, a lot of skill in that area. And then the other part of the game is what do you do when you don't have the puck? How do you influence the game? Um, are you aggressive on the forecheck? you got to be quick enough to get there and force turnovers. And then if it doesn't force a turnover, you got to back check. you got to be strong. But he's shown a, a lot of progression even in a couple weeks, and I think um, you know that's an area of game that, is important and I think you have to earn your coach's trust you have to earn your teammates trust and he's been doing that you know it's a small sample here it's a couple weeks and uh, it becomes a habit the longer you do it so it's not going to be perfect every game um, but it isn't for a lot of other guys either there's some variability to their game but so far Alex has shown you know real willingness very coachable and uh, you know he does some really unique things when he has the puck so if we can stick with him and he can continue to to progress, I think he could become a really important player for us. How impressed are you with a guy like Dominic Kubalik, who, for a lot of us who didn't really know a lot about him, hadn't seen him play a whole lot. He goes out last week, scores two goals against Detroit, and has really seemed to fit right in with this group right away as someone coming back from overseas and still adjusting to this organization. Yeah, he has a lot of... Uh, skills that are also really valuable in today's game when you look at the way you can shoot the puck and his speed those are two things that stick out um you know he's a little bit older and so he's played professional hockey for um, several years now i think he's he's built some good habits up and he's going to be an important part as we go forward here i think we're, we're just seeing what he could become and uh you know it's a new league for him so it you know he's lear doing some learning as well, and there's going to be some adaptation that has to happen. Uh, I think he's done that already, but you know it's it's different level from where he's been to you know, the regular season, and even during the season, there's steps where uh, the game gets to another level, and uh, so he'll have to go through that. Uh, but in a small sample, I've liked what he's brought to the table, and I think you know with that skating and that release on his shot. He's going to score some goals. You've made no secret that your number one goal this season, this offseason, was to get guys who can keep the puck out of the net. Uh, from what you've seen in training camp, whether it's uh, Corey Crawford or Leonard or the new defenseman or some of the younger guys, have you done enough to think to turn around that pattern where you can't keep the puck out of the net? Well, that's the name of the game. I think we, we certainly scored enough goals last right. year, but uh, it, it wasn't a winning formula when you give up that many. So. Uh, there's a couple ways to approach it, Chris. Number one, um, the goaltending is obviously the last line of defense. So I think we've got a really good tandem now between Corey and Robin. So I feel comfortable with their ability to stop the puck. The defensemen are the next line of defense uh, when you're trying to prevent goals. 
Uh, so we have some new personnel as well. Uh, and I think on top of the new players that we have, um, you know, tactically we've been able to spend a little bit more time and get everybody on the same page. And then the third layer to that is the forwards contributing. And when you're talking about goals against, it's even though you look at it might be one breakdown, there's a lot of things that happen on a play. And you need the players to be playing in sync with one another. And I think we've, got, we've gotten our uh, teaching points across over the last couple of weeks. And I think we look, it's not perfect yet. And it, it's always going to be uh, challenging during the year. But I think we're much closer to being on the same page. And as a result, I think we have a much better chance to be a, a stronger defensive team. And for that reason, um, you know, the penalty kill is a big part of that as well. We gave up way too many goals uh, on the PK. So, you know, that personnel and tactical. So I think we've, we've tried to approach it and improve in a couple ways. It wasn't just bringing a couple new players and think it was solved. It's a system-wide thing. It's also the forwards helping the defense and the goaltending. You mentioned the systems. <clears throat> How much will that benefit Jeremy Colleton to have You've had the summer, he's had this training camp to get his systems in place here as opposed to last season when he came in on the fly. It was really hard for Jeremy last year, and I think uh, you know you have high hopes of trying to change things, uh, but then we realized it was going to be hard to do that midstream, so we, we tried to leave some things alone, and then we kind of ended up a little bit in the middle sometimes, and I think that's why we didn't look as uh, together as we needed to be to be successful. Uh, so they did a great job. I think the coaches deserve a lot of credit for the work they put in to plan out how training camp was going to go. I mean, they spent uh, a lot of time planning each day, each drill, the progression from drill to drill, the video that they were going to run before that, um, and they would they would build from one day to the next. So it, they didn't just draw this up a couple of days before camp started. It was a several-month process planning out how we were going to run our training camp, and I think it's been a very effective camp as a result. You leave Thursday night for Prague, or for Berlin first, I should say, and then to Prague. You have a set number of seats on that plane of who you can and maybe can't take unless you're going to kick myself or Chris Cook off the <laughs> flight uh, to maybe squeeze one more Always in there. Always very possible. We'll think uh, about it. Yeah. We're, we're TBD until the, the plane <laughs> takes off, but how do you approach kind of crafting that group and how many guys you bring in maybe extra to, to continue meshing with this team even though you know come October 4th you have to be down to 23 men you, you have to have a couple extra bodies there with such a long trip uh, abroad that's right I think normally uh, if, if this wasn't going to Europe we might handle things differently but just with the logistics if uh, we have a few little injuries that have popped up recently that are you know not really long term but are they going to be ready for the first game we it's hard to game plan that you know seven or eight days out from the game so We'll probably bring a couple extra people just so having them there. And then we'll, we'll, once we cut down, it's easier than trying to bring a player across the water. So uh, from that side of it, uh, we'll probably have a, a few more than typical going a across. But, um, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with having that group together for a few more days. And, you know, at the end of the day, the guys that don't actually make the lineup to start are going to be part of this team. And we've said that from day one of the camp. This isn't a situation where we're going to only use 23 guys all year long. We're probably going to use close to 30 players. And we need those guys to be a bit part of it. So some of them are going to get a taste of what it's like the first few days in Europe together. And there's a chance not only to do some uh, hockey work, but also the team bonding some things off the ice and coming together, spending time, getting to know each other. Uh, so there's a benefit to that part of it as well. Aside from the games and the experience, what are you maybe looking forward to most about this trip? Well, I remember back to when we did this 10 years ago and we started in uh, Finland, well, we went to Switzerland first and then Finland. And obviously they had a great, en great ending to that season with winning the cup. And you look back on that team, and a lot has been talked about that 2010 team and how close-knit they were. And I think there is some parallel to this in the sense that we're spending a lot of time together. So we're leaving tomorrow. We're going to be gone for eight or nine days, and they're going to be spending all of that time together. You know, normally when you're at home, you have an off day. You're with your family, or you're, you're not. You may be with one or two teammates, but you're not with the whole group. 
So I think this is going to help our group come together. And I think that's something that uh, I like. You like seeing a, a team really come together. And they have to do it organically, though. You can't really force it. As, but it's important for the successful teams are the ones that really do uh, unite as a group. And they play for one another as opposed to just playing for themselves. So uh, we want that process to happen. And I think sometimes this setting is going to... Um, make it happen more naturally. Well, you and I were speaking earlier on kind of how that's going to happen. You know, you don't always want, you know, mom and dad hanging over your head when, when you're uh, planning something with your friends, but does it help having a leadership group that was part of that team in 2010 that knows how much that means and almost takes that onus on themselves to, to make that happen naturally? Yeah, it's probably unusual for a the team to have you know four or five guys from a team 10 years ago that was in this situation but we we do and they're all prominent players and you know they've got so much experience and i think they can remember what it was like uh, to be part of that group and how important it was to do things uh, as a team so uh, you know i know that's one of the things that they want to accomplish over the next you know 10 days is to really spend some time together and uh, have some fun well, before we let you go, we have just a couple fan questions that came in. We wanted to bounce off of you. Uh, we'll start kind of going back to the the pathway. And when we were talking about Adam Boquist, another player that's in a similar position is, is Kirby Doc. And of course, he's had a, a different training camp than most uh, with concussion symptoms and being held out from a lot of the on-ice stuff. But Eric wants to know what's his best path in terms of long-term development. You know, you can keep him for a certain number of NHL games and uh, a little bit of the same line, but if you maybe take this season out of it, what's his best path? Is it going back to juniors? Is it kind of getting the ropes at the NHL level? How do you maybe step back and look at that long term? Well, there's a couple different ways, Carter, and there's not necessarily one right answer to that question. And if you look around the league, there's usually a few guys each year, young players that were just drafted who stay with their team, and they prove that they're ready to help the team and they may not be at their highest level, but they're good enough to help the team win. And in the process of the year, they get much better by playing at this level, practicing with these players every day, uh, being exposed to the NHL and understanding what that's like. So that's one category of player. There's other ones who they're not quite there yet. And the environment going back to junior is what's going to make them the best player down the road because if they would have stayed in the NHL, they would have been struggling to stay above water. And really, that's the important thing. Whether Kirby's in Chicago or he's back in Saskatoon, as long as he continues to be the player that that we know he can be, you know, we don't want him surviving just to try to get through a shift and never make a, any plays. Like, he's an offensive player. He's got skill. It uh, doesn't mean he's going to score that much, uh, but he can still be, if, if he's still doing the things that made him the player that we really fell in love with. Um, so we'll find out whether this is the place for him or not. Certainly, if he goes back to Saskatoon, he was a dominant player last year. He's going to have no problem playing his game. Um, so the I think we'll know once we get that to that point where he fits in that and uh, there's not a lot of guys that are ready to do it every year so it is a it's a high bar to reach there's a, a couple guys usually each year that are able to keep playing their game and do it at the nhl level so that's i guess the answer is we want to make sure that he's not just surviving out there we want him to actually thrive and be the player that we know he can be all right we have two two more for you we're going to completely switch gears on these points. They're not about this current roster or uh, or training camp. First one from Chris DeBlase. He wants to know, what are your thoughts and what moves do you maybe prepare for with another expansion draft on the horizon? How early do you start maybe calculating that in your head and, and looking out for that upcoming expansion draft when Seattle joins the league? Uh, well, we've already started looking at it. So looking at it is one thing and being aware of you know what issues might arise that's that's probably the situation that we're in right now um i've had discussions going back you know nine months about how when we knew that they were coming into the league and when they were starting which players would be impacted the challenge is our team's going to change a lot even between now and next year at september so to try to make too many moves right now in anticipation of that is 
is probably not the right approach. Uh, so I guess to make it simple, you're thinking about it, you understand that where the, you know, the tough points might be, uh, but it's not really dictating moves. It, it would be a little bit counterproductive to be making moves now just for the expansion draft a couple of years out. And lastly, coming from Brady, he wants to know, you know, you've been in the GM position for many years now. Looking back over your tenure here in Chicago, what is your favorite trade or one you look back on most fondly? What's uh, What sticks out in your mind as maybe a move that uh, you, you hang your hat on a little bit? Hmm. I haven't had that question before. <clears throat> Brady's coming in with the hard-hitting questions. Um, I'll think a little bit, and I'll throw this over to Chris. Maybe you can uh, hmm. maybe you can tell me which ones stand out to you, and I'll tell you if I agree. <laughs> Who's on the spot now? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> we told him he was on the hot seat. Yeah, exactly. Throw it right back on you. That's right. Um, well, you've had, I think, without signing two homers, I think you've had more hits than misses. I mean, I mean you look at you look at the, the record. Um, I mean, you brought in some veterans – yeah. We've done some. We've done some well. I mean, Antoine Vermette, I think, was a key there, considering all that was going on and the fact that he was so productive in the in the finals. Yeah, I think the. I guess the, the way to answer that question is that it falls into a couple different categories. So you have some trades when, you know, your team is on the cusp of winning and you're you're doing things to try to make an immediate impact on your team. And so there's a, a couple that you've just mentioned fall into that category. I mean, under the radar one was probably Michael Hanzus who. You know, was not really even playing very much in San Jose. I remember talking to our scouts at the time, and um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money to spend. He was wasn't he was sort of in and out of the lineup. Uh, but I remember talking to the coaches, and they said that's the kind of player we need. And our scouts watched him, and you know he he was just okay in the games they went to. But they, I said, let's look at it this way: if he does, if he comes here and plays his best version of himself how could that help our team? And remember them saying, well, yeah, he's not necessarily in that role right now. He's maybe the odd man out there. But if he was a guy you, you counted on, he came here, he played a big role in, in that cup run. And I think so that, that's why you're, you're chasing it. And those types of trades are um, important at the time. Uh, Odui is a good uh, example of that. I mean, he was a pretty good player in Winnipeg, but I would say he had he was much better here than he was there. He was a, the reason we traded for him is we thought he could help us, but I think his performance in Chicago was much superior. So you have those types of deals, and then you have the other t- types, well, the most recent one like Dylan Strom, when he's coming in, he's got a lot of talent, hasn't quite worked out, um, but in a short, you know, it, that one's more recent, so maybe we're thinking of it more, and for that reason, it's. But they're they're kind of two different categories of trades, and for a while there we were making the first type, which is we were a team that was near the top, and you're always doing trades for salary cap reasons. You're always looking for the guy, the best million dollar player you can find. So we didn't have the luxury of making some of the trades that we've made since then, because now we have we haven't had as many cap challenges. So. I guess there's a couple different trades that we've we've talked about in there, but um, hopefully that answers the question. Well, as Chris said, more good ones than, than <laughs> bad ones, and your record speaks for itself. Stan, thank you for joining us and giving us a little bit of your time. Uh, I know it's busy season and very exciting uh, as things get rolling within the next week or so. Thanks. It's been fun. That will do it for this week's episode. Once again, a special thanks to Stan Bowman for joining us. Next week, we'll have a special one for you on location in Prague as Chicago gets set to open the 2019-20 season against the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll have a few guests and all the details from abroad. For Adam Burrish and Chris Cook, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next week on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. Casey, haven't noticed there wasn't too much footage uh, before until we got to the rink for practice. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing for me to say I can't even believe I'm admitting it. But my first night away from Burke in my own room, I, uh, I missed the team bus, so I had to had to get a chauffeur from uh, the Hawks. I think it was Mr. McDonough's driver drove me over.